now. Statistically, I'm supposed to be dead in jail or homeless. Yet interestingly, and this is my whole point, I'm not a statistic and listen to me very carefully. It's not because I'm particularly bright or clever or because of a government program or the perfect school district or the latest best-selling parenting book, but because of Rodney. Every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. This is the Foster Movement Podcast, helping you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Here are your hosts, Jason Weber and Diego Fuller. Hey, this is Jason Weber. Welcome to the Foster Movement Podcast. I'm here with Diego Fuller. Hey, Diego. Hey, what's up, Jason? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Awesome. So uh, we're here at the end of the summer, and you've had the chance to do some pretty cool stuff this summer. A lot of people might not know this, that you are a Christian rap artist, Mm -hmm. and one of the things uh, that you get to do during the summers is travel around to Royal Family Kids Camps around right. the country and perform. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, man, Royal Family, an awesome uh, organization, man. They are an um, organization, man, that, um, that's confronting abuse for kids that's been hurt, uh, neglected, uh, kids that's just really been abused. They just bring a love um, to the kids. So they they create one week of camp. Um, there's a lot of different camps all over the country. They create one week of camp for their kids just to go and just have so much fun and today just get sick of fun. And so it's an awesome <laughs> camp. It's an awesome camp. Sick of fun, huh? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible for kids, yeah. but so much, yeah, I think it could be, I guess. Yeah. And so you show up and you do what? Yeah, so when I, I get there, and so I get to travel to different camps, and I share my testimony, and then I do a little, I do a concert for the kids. It'd be their first concert, and they just love it, and it's just so awesome. It's, um, it's, it's, it's very awesome. Because every one of these kids has spent time or is currently in foster care. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, most of them have like, uh, after I share my testimony, most of them be like, man, I have the same story, Diego, that's my story. And so like 90% of them have the same story I have, and it really uh, touches them on a whole different level. And I think it's just, um, I, I get to restore hope into their life. And it, it's, man, it's an awesome thing. What amazes me about that camp is uh, just the sheer numbers. When you look at the percentages of total numbers of right. kids in foster oh, care, man. That, that they actually have a pretty significant percentage of kids that come to those camps each summer. Right, yes. And and the reason they're able to do that is because churches mm-hmm. um, take that responsibility on to run those camps. Right, most definitely. And they get volunteers yes. uh, that are committed to spending time mm-hmm. uh, for a week right. with a kid. Right. And to be their buddy. Right, most definitely. Talk about that a little bit. What have you seen when you've been there? You, you know that... Um, you know, one thing that I really seen is the the volunteers actually mm. and the directors. They actually work all year just to run a camp for five days. They have to raise money. They raise their money, man, and they give their life to this camp just to see kids happy for five days. But that five days changed their life. And I think that's one of the things that I really love about about Royal Family. So one of the things that we're gonna be talking about today is that idea of one adult mm-hmm. making the difference wow. in the life of one child. Wow. And you're seeing it all summer long. All summer long. And we're going to hear that very same kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, from uh, our guest today. Now, we're doing this a little different today. Usually we have an interview, um, but we have uh, a message from Josh Ship, who uh, goes around the country and he speaks, but he spoke at our CAFO conference Mm. a couple years Mm -hmm. ago, and we have that talk, and it's an amazing, amazing message. Oh, man. And 
the core of it is just what we were talking about. Right. That every child mm. is one caring adult away from being a success story. Wow. Amen. So let's let's go and let's listen to Josh Shipp. As a kid, I mastered the art of getting kicked out of foster homes. I was scared, I was confused, I was hurt by the things happening to me and around me as a kid, so I acted out. You see, what kids do not talk out, they will act out. And for me, I felt I had no one to talk to about the scary, terrifying, heartbreaking things going on in my life, so I acted out. And most regrettably, I took it out on the very people who were trying to help me. Sound familiar? Here's how cynical I grew about my situation. I would literally keep a notebook with statistics of how quickly I could get kicked out of each foster home. Three columns. Column one, the date that I entered the home. Column two, the date that I got kicked out of the home. Column three, the methodology that I used to get kicked out of the home. You see, what kids do not talk out, they will act out. The fact of the matter is, I trusted no one. And I guess looking back, how could I? From the time my biological parents left me, to the time another foster kid raped me, to the time I was bullied so bad, I tried to end my life with a bottle of pills. I genuinely and honestly could not fathom a world where I could trust anyone. And most regrettably, particularly adults. So fast forward, here I am at 14 years old, uh, moving into my umpteenth foster home. Not to brag, but I was a real pro, a real veteran at this whole getting kicked out of one foster home and moved to the next. I knew exactly how it went down. I knew exactly what to expect. You know, the social worker comes and picks you up in this white government-issued van, and you drive somewhere across town. This is the one mildly amusing thing to me about foster care. You drive somewhere across town, and you meet these people who were like complete and total strangers five minutes ago, and now they're your mom and dad. Kids don't take candy from strangers, just move in with them. <laughs> sends a contradictory message to me. So I'm 14, and I'm sitting there in this white government-issued van, and my social worker, she's giving me her typical spiel and lecture. I'll be honest, I've heard it a dozen times. I'm not really paying attention. I'm sort of tuning her out. So, you know, blah, 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 don't screw this up. Blah, 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 would you please give these people a chance? Blah, 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 these are good ones. I don't want to have to come back here. What, I'm not paying attention. I sort of gaze past her shoulder and look up on the front, front porch, and she's telling me about Rodney and Christine from Yukon, Oklahoma. I'm not paying I look up on the front porch, and that's when I see him for the first time Rodney. <laughs> now, judging by your snicker, very similar to me in that moment, I immediately noticed this is a big fella. In Oklahoma, as we say, a big old boy. 
And I couldn't help but notice with my 14-year-old brain not paying attention, kind of staring at this figure that when he's turned to the side like that, he looks like a lowercase b. (laughs) Let me be very clear. Nothing personal against Rodney. Nothing personal about being overweight. Hear me very clearly. This was tactical. I had that notebook. I had a high score to beat. I thought maybe this is how I can get under this guy's skin. Maybe that's how I can get, maybe he's sensitive about his weight. And maybe that's how I can get him to get rid of me so I have some sense of control. You see, well, kids don't talk out, they'll act out. But holy cow, is it not so easy for you and I to to mix up a tactic and take it personally? To feel a tactic they're acting out as in a personal attack on me, on you. I return to the social worker, she's going on and on. I lob in this next question very strategically, not to raise any alarm, I say, hey, do these foster parents have any illnesses I need to be aware of? I might need to help out around the house. She's like, no, they're in pretty good health. Oh, one thing, Rodney, he has narcolepsy. What is that? You know, he could be doing something and then he might randomly fall asleep. I'm like, that's weird. What does he do for a living? She says, kid you not, he's a driver's ed teacher. (laughs) Some of you have been to Oklahoma and you're like, I understand now. (laughs) I move in with Rodney, his wife, Christine. I release the Kraken. I unleash my typical antics, being rebellious and being defiant and being obnoxious and being ungrateful and being mean, I'm getting suspended from school, I'm setting things on fire, and uh, three years later, he won't kick me out. Shut up, it's not funny. I can't get this guy to kick me out. But I'm a foster kid, which means I'm resilient. See, I believe perseverance is merely stubbornness with a purpose. (laughs) So I step up my game. I go to this small town bank, Yukon, Oklahoma, called Yukon National Bank. I open up a checking account. I deposit roughly 100 bucks in that checking account. I proceed to write just north of $10,000 worth of checks. You don't need to be a math major to piece together what's happening here. These checks are bouncing one after the next. These are hot, fraudulent, fake, phony checks. Track with me for a moment. One hot check I wrote was for my car insurance. Now in Oklahoma, you don't have car insurance. It'll ping the system and eventually cancel your driver's license. So I'm going up I-35 to Stillwater, Oklahoma, no car insurance, no driver's license, 88 miles an hour, get pulled over handcuffed, thrown in the back of a cop car, sent to jail. As you've probably heard, maybe some of you know firsthand, (laughs) 
you get that one phone call. So I call Rodney. Uh, hey, Rodney, it's me. Uh, listen, uh, man, I really don't know how to... I know it seems like a punchline in a speech. I swear to you, it's true. <laughs> Rodney, Rodney. Yeah. Rodney, it's me. I did something stupid. I'm in Stillwater. I'm in jail. I'll explain everything to you when you get here. Would you please come bail me out? He said, Josh, I will come bail you out, but not until tomorrow. Goodbye. <laughs> Again, not funny. <laughs> I don't like you people. <laughs> you see, Rodney frustratingly believed sometimes one of the most loving, gracious, caring things you could do for a kid was allow them to sit in the wake of their brilliant choice and not rob them of that, or sit in the wake of their stupid choice and not rob them of that. He came bail me out the next morning precisely as he promised. We have a long, awkward car ride home. No one wants to bring it up. No one wants to have the conversation yet. We get out of the car to go to the, into the home and he kind of just subtly lobs a little statement at me. We need to sit down and talk. And I know exactly what that means. I had heard it a dozen times before. And I, I, I want to be very careful in telling this story. So as best I can, let me be very clear to you. I do not, under any circumstance, blame Rodney for wanting to kick me out. This guy was nothing but gracious, tried his best, gave his best, inconvenienced himself, and I was nothing but rude, ungrateful, entitled, and terrible to this decent human being. Probably not a popular thing to say in a place like this, but frankly, I probably would have wanted to kick myself out. Rodney, his wife, Christine, sit down to give me the little spiel I've heard many times before. He says, Josh, you can keep messing up. You can keep being defiant. You can keep pushing us away. You can keep trying to get us to kick you out of here but you gotta get it through your thick head, son. We don't see you as a problem. We see you as an opportunity. I appreciate the clap, but let me be honest. In that moment, all my foster kid skepticism bubbled to the surface thought, what a cheesy thing to say to a kid just bailed out of jail. But then I was struck with the reality that this guy actually meant it. He didn't see what I was, the screw up, the defiance, the obnoxiousness. That was on the surface, that was very easy to see outwardly or if you were to look at my case file. He saw something I think God does for all of us. He saw the more subtle thing, not what we were, but what we could be, not the problem, but the opportunity. It was genuinely my turning point. 
Now, the fascinating thing to me about our conversation is this, is that, you know, the question back in the day used to be, is my kid at risk? Now, the fact is, our world is at risk. 3.2 million kids are victims of bullying each and every year. 1.2 million kids drop out of school each year. Our young kids, as early as age 11, are first exposed to pornography. Over 90% of adult addicts begin using drugs before they're 18 years old. And suicide is the second leading cause of death for the 15 to 24 year old demo. And 50% of foster youth become homeless within 18 months of aging out of the system. The crazy thing is these statistics represent all of our kids. Not just kids you would expect, kids like me, foster kids, orphans, kids from particular situations. These are all of our kids and all of our churches and all of our communities. The fact of the matter is these days every kid is one decision away from being a statistic. One friend, one choice of their own, one choice of someone else's, something out of their control, something within their control. Now, statistically, I'm supposed to be dead in jail or homeless. And not to brag, but I probably would have done all three. I am an overachiever. (laughs) Yet interestingly, and this is my whole point, I'm not a statistic, and listen to me very carefully. It's not because I'm particularly bright or clever, or because of a government program, or the perfect school district, or the latest best-selling parenting book but because of Rodney. See, listen to me very carefully. Every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. Every kid, every kid, every kid. Even the kid that doesn't get it right now, even the kid that drives you crazy, even the kid that you secretly want to strangle if only that would be legal, Even the kid that when you tell people you're like helping him out or helping her out, people kind of under their breath, ah, that's sweet, but you should probably, you know, you're wasting your time. Every kid, every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. I don't say that hoping you would applaud. I say that because I am that kid. In March 2015, Harvard's National Scientific Council on Developing Child released this interesting study. And I'm a bit of a nerd, so I enjoy digging into it. They basically asked this simple question. Hey, lots of kids, whether they're in foster care or not, go through difficult, terrible, unfair situations. What is the common denominator between those kids that turn out a success story versus a statistic? What's the common denominator between those that turn out fine and those that struggle or have very tragic stories? This might sound familiar to you. Here's what they said. Every child who winds up doing well has had at least one stable and committed relationship with a supportive adult. And here's the beauty to you and I, as screwed up as you and I are. It says supportive adult. Not perfect, not flawless, not qualified, perfectly trained, not without flaw, not that never says anything stupid, not that never drops the ball. Supportive adult. 
See, every kid needs a Rodney and all of us can be one. You don't have to be perfect. Just have to care. My friend and mentor, a gentleman named Reggie Joyner from Atlanta, Georgia, he has a ministry called Orange. Um, this guy means a great deal to me. He kind of explained it to me in a particular way and I said, hey, can I borrow your illustration and share it with these folks? He gladly agreed. Check this out. In this jar right here are 936 marbles. Each marble represents a single week from the birth of a kid until that kid turns 18 years old, graduates high school, begins to make their own way in the world. Make sense? So if you have a nine-year-old that you care about in your church, in your community, you've got 468 marbles or weeks, however you want to look at it, remaining. And yes, if you're tracking with me, by this point, you have indeed lost half your marbles. It's funny, but it's true. You know a 16-year-old? You've got 104 marbles or weeks remaining. Now the point of this is not to be depressing, though it is certainly sobering. The point of this is, is it doesn't matter how much time you do or do not have left with a particular kid that you're, you care about. What matters, of course, is what you do with this time. So what am I suggesting? Well, if what this fancy pants Harvard study says is true, and I don't know, they seem to know what they're doing, then the challenge for us is to simply this, to identify a kid and consistently and intentionally invest time with that kid. Identify one kid, consistently and intentionally invest time with that one kid. Now you hear the statistics, you hear the story, and you're like, well, what? I mean, what is it? Is spending time with them, how, Josh, I'm a little left brain. How does that really equate to making a difference? Here's the deal. Kids spell trust, T-I-M-E. And when you consistently, intentionally invest time with that kid, you build trust. And with trust, you have influence. Right now, right now, everybody, everybody think of your Rodney. Think of your Rodney. Think of that, 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 that moment he challenged you, she challenged you. Think of that moment she asked you that question and you kind of reconsidered something dumb you were about to do. Was it because she said it poetically and it was beautiful and it was brilliant and it deserved to be on a motivational poster? Or was it that there was trust, that you knew that she cared? Now some of you in this room You've been investing time. You've been doing this thing with a, with a Josh in your own life. And you silently and you secretly, you wouldn't raise your hand to it, but deep down you think it's not working. I want to show you something. I want you to consider how many marbles Rodney had left when he bailed me out of jail. 26. 26 weeks to get through my thick head, my hard heart, my angst, my trouble, my, all of that. <laughs> and, and here's what I'm even disgusted to tell you. I did not thank Rodney until I was 25 years old. <laughs> think, watch what, is that because of something broken in Rodney? No. 
It's because of something broken in me. If I tell you thank you, if I tell you you're making a difference, I'm dropping the fig leaf, I'm vulnerable, I'm, I'm open, and you can hurt me. Some of you right now, you think, you fear, you worry, you silently stew, you think you're not making a difference, that is a lie. That is a lie. And on behalf of that kid in your life who doesn't yet have the maturity, doesn't yet have the, uh, the perspective yet to say thank you to you, I say thank you to you on their behalf. You are a Rodney, you are doing the thing, you are making a difference. You are shaping, crafting, building a success story. You are doing God's work in that young person's life. Don't ever believe that lie. Now at the end of the day, this story isn't about my foster kid story and it's not even about Rodney, my dad, my forever family. And it's not even really about our kids. If what that study and these marbles and the Harvard study suggests is true, that every kid is one of us away from being a success story, then that would mean that the difference between a statistic and a success story is you, is me. Lastly, I don't say this to be polite or nice or because it might feel or seem like the right thing to say in the room, but listen to me very carefully. If it was not for folks like you, I would be dead. I would be in jail. I would be homeless. So again, on behalf of that kid, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't seem like it, I say thank each and every one of you for being a Rodney. Thank you very much. Every time I listen to that message, I'm just blown away. Mm-hmm. It's so good. There are so many things in that message that are instructive for us as foster parents, for us as advocates in right. foster care. Right. One of the things that I think every one of us can relate to, and he talked about this, mm-hmm. is that all of us have somebody right, exactly. that played that role in our lives, yeah. that believed in us no matter what, that loved us mm-hmm. no matter what, and that every kid deserves to have that. Yes. You know, at the beginning uh, of this podcast, we talked about um, just you getting to witness as you travel around the country right. at Royal Family Kids Camp. You're getting to witness these volunteers from churches who are, they may not know really anything about foster care mm-hmm. at the beginning of the week. And mm-hmm. they get a chance to invest in the life of a, of a child right. for a week. When you think about um, where you're at in life right now, mm-hmm. What does that look like for you to to think about how you invest right. in the lives of others? I, I just think about um, my dad and my mom, how they spent time um, time with me and investing into my life with their love, the way they talked to me, everything that they showed me, and that really saved my life. And not just that, it it changed my destiny. And I think that's what Josh experienced with um, with his dad, you know, that his dad invested so much into him and time, and it, it changed his destiny. And that's why he's living um, a successful life like he's living now. And so it's so important to, to invest that time into a, a, a child. 
Well, as we close down for today, we want to remind you that Stand Sunday is coming. Oh, yes. It is coming. Can't wait. Oh, <laughs> what a powerful Sunday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. A chance for churches all over the country, hopefully your church, to stand up yes. and say, the kids in our community mm-hmm. deserve to have one caring adult. Ah. Invest in their lives. Yes. And so what can we do as a church to provide that for them? That's so awesome. So second Sunday in November, go to standsunday.org to get your posters, get your postcards, get some ideas about things that you can do as a church um, around Stand Sunday to get your church involved. Uh, So many things there. So be sure to check that out. Now, also before we close out, uh, we've talked about Royal Family Kids yes. Camp uh, through this, and and I think I think you should give a shout out to some of those kids because they might be listening uh, to this or the folks that have volunteered and right, most definitely. You know what? Shout out to all the directors. All the volunteers that give their life for this camp, and shout out to all the kids that's just having fun, and shout out to um, Chris and Miss Linda uh, that's in the office that's just running everything and doing their best and uh, to sow into these kids' life. Shout out to Royal Family Kids. Well, we also want to thank uh, Josh Ship for the incredible message he gave uh, at Summit, yes, KFO twenty sixteen, and we want to thank you for joining us. We want to hear from you. We'd love to have you uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like for you to come find us on Facebook at the Foster Movement Podcast page and respond to our big, important question of the week, (laughs) otherwise known as our big IQ. The big, important question for this week is, who was that one caring adult who, for you, made a huge difference in your life? Who was that one caring adult who, for you, made a huge difference in your life? When you add your answer to the comments on Facebook, be sure to tag that person so they can see that comment. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Make their day, make their whole week. Yes. And be sure to add the hashtag Foster Movement Podcast. To get today's show notes, just go to fostermovementpodcast.org. Again, thank you for all you do to speak up for kids and families in foster care. Thank you for being that one caring adult that can make all the difference. We're here to help you do that until there's more than enough. Amen. This has been the Foster Movement Podcast. Join Jason Weber and Diego Fuller next time as they and their guests help you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Hey, this is Jason and Diego again. Yes, and we're still here because there's a couple of things that we want you guys to know. That's right. First of all, be sure to download the free PDF we created, especially for listeners of this podcast. It's called Key Things Former Foster Youth Want You to Understand About Caring for Current Foster Youth. This thing is beautiful and full of wisdom and insight from those who've been there. And I'm telling you, you need to print these babies out and give them to foster parents and applicants you work with because these things are amazing. Just go to morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. That's morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. Also, as you know, the Foster Movement Podcast is a limited series of just 18 episodes. But listen, it's okay. Don't be sad. Here's why. Because there's more where that came from. Tell them, Jay. That's right. More Than Enough has produced a whole family of podcasts, one of which is called the More Than Enough Podcast. 
So to learn more, go to morethanenoughtogether.org and click on the podcast link at the top of the homepage and they are all there. Hey, and one last thing. Thank you for listening. It's a privilege to be a part of your journey. Our team is here to help you work with others in your community to provide for children and families before, during, and beyond foster care until there's more than enough.